0: Anthony Richardson, here we go. That <laughs> Lander's going deep. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. He, was, he threw that from the nine-yard line, and it landed on the 30.
1: Rich Eisen, some of the coverage of the Combine from Indianapolis. Joining us on the Western Hotline is front of the show, Chris Trapasso. Chris, good morning.
2: Hey, Jeremy. How's
1: it going? Good. Chris and uh, NFL Draft and Young Player Analyst for CBS Sports. Are you, Chris, are you, by the way, Jeremy and Joe, good morning, everybody. Are you chiefly responsible for this uh, meteoric rise for Anthony Richardson as much as he is with the <laughs> Combine? It feels like his Combine followed up you, who, what, last week or two weeks ago pegged him as maybe the number one pick?
2: Well, what's funny is one of the higher-up editors at CBS Sports sent a tweet along those lines. They said, look what you've done, Chris Um And it was really just a player meeting the expectations going into the combine. I saw a lot of people I talked to, and just from watching my film, like I said on, on the show, I think, about two weeks ago, that Anthony Richardson was going to test amazingly at the combine. Now, I didn't think he was going to be 6'4", 244 pounds and test as explosively as he did, you know, setting records at the quarterback position in the vertical and the broad jump running four four three, which is ridiculous. Um, but it just kind of makes sense that every year after the combine, there's at least one or two guys that really rocket up draft boards. And I already thought that Anthony Richardson was kind of a, a mid round one pick to begin with. We don't see Anthony, or we don't see Bryce Young work out. CJ Stroud doesn't work out. It was really anthony richardson in the spotlight and again he probably met or even exceeded the expectations I
1: want to bring back a question i think i would ask you first time you brought this up the idea of anthony richardson going number one is it the josh allen effect in some way that elite athleticism is going to be something that teams value maybe more than they did 10 years ago because we've seen teams effectively bring along guys that have elite traits and with more of the college concepts coming to the pro game, is this the next step basically for that?
2: Yes. And I think for two reasons, one, everything that you outlined is spot on that Josh Allen, and I think to a certain degree, Patrick Mahomes, they're the two kind of uh, prime examples of the high upside quarterback that has worked out, but also behind this, like their stories individually, you can maybe throw Justin Herbert in there as well. Teams understand, oh, we need to beat Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Herbert Lawrence in the playoffs now. So you suddenly – and I constantly use the Colts as an example. You are Shane Steichen. You just developed Dylan Hurts, running quarterback, raw passer. You used him in the, the past
3: two seasons. And
2: suddenly you were trying to decide between Bryce Young at – 5'10", 204 pounds, and Anthony Richardson, who is the most explosive quarterback we've ever seen at the Combine. And I think it kind of makes it an interesting discussion because, again, Josh Allen's story, Mahomes' story, Trevor Lawrence, and just the fact that you need to play to the level of those quarterbacks, make those big-time throws, those off-structure plays um, to beat those quarterbacks at the NFL level
1: he also represents the exact opposite end of the spectrum of some of the other top prospects right like you've got Bryce Young who people are waiting to see what he weighs in at and Mm -hmm. whether or not you know he can get up to 510 and whatever um (laughs) so with Anthony Richardson of course there's no issue there on the big picture Chris for the quarterbacks you know Bills fans might be listening saying like why should we care about quarterbacks and the answer is you want as many to go as possible in the first round before the Bills pick because that gives you better players that could drop down to Buffalo spot. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how much the combine changed this, but as of right now, how many quarterbacks go in the top 10, top 15?
2: I think still four. I think uh, the four that we've been talking about for the last couple months here, Will Levis, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and now Anthony Richardson. I think if you look back at uh, mock drafts uh, just around the Internet maybe a month ago, there would be, okay, maybe Anthony Richardson somewhere in the 20s. Maybe a team does the Lamar Jackson and trades back into the first to get that fifth-year option. He's one of the last picks. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think for him to be a top half of the first-round selection is almost locked in. Um, Will Levis I don't think had a ridiculous workout um, and some of the arm strength that he kind of talked up about himself. I didn't necessarily see him look that much better than, say, Anthony Richardson or even C.J. Stroud. But he is another physical specimen at the quarterback spot. And for as many quarterback needy teams as there are, even after you know Aaron Rodgers gets figured out, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, Derek Carr, I still think he will also be a top half of the first-round guy. So, yeah, four quarterbacks going within the first 15 picks would certainly help push a lot of those quality non-quarterbacks down the board to the Bills.
4: On Richardson, quickly—is it more the the rushing? Is it the speed, or is it the arm strength too? I'm guessing I'm trying to figure out like how much of the the wow plays when he enters the NFL are going to be oh wow look at him run, or versus how much are going to be throws that only Allen and Mahomes can make?
2: It's both, and that's what I think is it, it, it's a good question, and it's important to distinguish that Lamar Jackson was the best running quarterback, arguably in college football history. Uh, and we all kind of knew in that 2018 draft he's going to come in and be a problem running the football as a scrambler and in the designed run game. Anthony Richardson gives you a lot of the same explosiveness as Lamar Jackson at a much bigger size. But with Lamar Jackson, it was more about, like, hey, like what was the offense that he ran? Is he a great thrower of the football? I think they're probably about even in terms of, you know, what they can do, just reading coverages, things like that. Maybe Jackson was a little bit further ahead because he did run a quote-unquote pro-style offense at Louisville. Anthony Richardson's arm is way better and way more alive than Lamar Jackson's was. So that's kind of the comparison where he mentioned that he kind of uh, shapes his game around Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson. With Richardson, there's just more high-end traits, both with his legs and with his arm.
1: To, from the quarterbacks to the non quarterbacks, Chris. I mean, Bills fans, of course, we are, uh, we're thinking about other positions. I mm-hmm. want to ask you this one first. Which combine drills matter and which ones don't? Let, let's get to receivers, okay? Because 40 time, it feels like the 40 time is the big headliner, but the cone drill and the shuttle drill, these generally translate better for success in the league. How, how do you evaluate which drills matter and which drills are just kind of, you know, window dressing?
2: Yeah, so for the 40 yard dash, how I look at it is, for corners and for wide receivers, there's no study that's been done, and I had you know, have not done like any of them that that have shown that um, you know 40 yard dash correlates with success at the NFL level. What well, you mentioned, the three cone, um, a lot more indicative or say predictive of how well a player at receiver is going to perform. I just use the 40 yard dash to kind of peg where a player is going to be drafted. If you look back the last five to 10 to 15 years at receiver, if you're not running in the probably four, four, five or lower, it's going to be hard for you to be a top 20 pick at the receiver spot because teams, general managers, maybe even owners want to see all those boxes to be ticked. They want the production. They want the size. And I think now size is maybe not as important because the league has gotten so much smaller and faster. But you need to have the speed. I think three-cone short shuttle, and for me, it's those explosion drills, the vertical and the broad jump. I would like to see a first-round receiver that has somewhere close to a 40-inch vertical, you know, unless they're gigantic or unless they're super tiny, um, and then have that broad jump be close to 11 feet. So we certainly got some of that. It wasn't a ridiculously athletic receiver group. Some of the big names either didn't work out, or didn't test particularly well, but yeah, it's not as much forty-yard dash. Meaning, oh, hey, he ran four, three, five. He's going to be great. It's the three cone, it's the short shuttle, and for me, uh, the vertical and broad jump.
1: One guy I wanted to bring up to you specifically. You know, we're gonna, I'm gonna talk about tons of receivers over the next couple of weeks. Chris Jackson, Smith, and Jigba of Ohio State. I yeah. saw some of his numbers on some of those drills. The three cone and the shuttle were. What, 98th percentile? Like he, he had yeah. him. He did not run the 40, so we don't have that number from him. But did his stock climb based on those two testing drills?
2: Yes, definitely. I, I think the general narrative going into the combine for myself and a lot of people that I talked to in Indy was, hey, he's a great football player. He's kind of like Devontae Smith. He's not going to be a great athlete. But we certainly saw, I think he ran, his three cone was like 6.5 five seven seconds, which is crazy fast his short shuttle being under the four six threshold I think nine three nine eight which is pretty rare to see there's usually two to five prospects a year that are underneath that four second time in the short shuttle is like Cole Beasley-esque change of direction ability in tight spaces and I think it was impressive too that he was Six foot and over 190 pounds. I think a lot of people thought he was going to maybe be 5'11 and be one of those 170-plus, 180-plus pounders. So I think his size being better, the agility, and then probably Ohio State Pro Day, he'll run in the 4.3s, and suddenly and that will probably be juiced a little bit. Um, suddenly I think Jason Smith and Jigba kind of talked himself or, or talked everyone else into saying, hey, this guy's really, really good dude who's at 19 years old with two other first rounders at receiver. Um, he now is in the conversation again to be the first receiver off the board.
1: Hmm. That's too bad, Chris. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, and, and we've seen clips of this. I mentioned earlier with Joe, there's a clip of Brandon Bean watching Gabe Davis run a couple of years ago where he's hoping he runs slow because yeah. you're kind of hoping to slide someone through. And with, with Jacks, Jackson Smith and Jigba, there's been this talk that, well, he was hurt this year. He doesn't have a year of production. That might drop him down the board, but doesn't sound like he's going to sneak by anybody really now.
2: Yeah, I don't know if at this point it's just kind of funny how the combine can truly change things, and I think in most cases it's, it's for the good. Before the combine, I thought, hey, this guy could probably be there. We'll see Quentin Johnson go off the board, um, Jordan Addison, who actually was way smaller than Jackson Smith, did not pass very well, Broad jump vertical, where mm-hmm. think the bottom of the receiver group ran in the high four-fours, um, which was pretty surprising because, He'd seen fast on film, and to be 173 pounds, we were expecting him to run a lot faster. At this point, it seems a little bit unlikely that JSN would be there. The one name, Rasheed Rice from SMU, it came out during the combine. He actually played through the entire season with a broken foot, which I don't know how that happened (laughs) at wide receiver. I know, going back to Gabe Davis, that he played through that ankle injury this season, and that was kind of said to kind of limit his ability to change direction. Rasheed Rice had almost an identical combine at almost an identical size to Brandon Ayuk. And I know not many people think the Bills are going to go the free agent route at wide receiver, but those who do have kind of pegged Brandon Ayuk as someone that the Bills could add. And really thinking about Rasheed Rice's film, um, again, not as much separation this past season. I think he lost some of that explosiveness because of the injury but forty one inch vertical, broad just close to eleven feet. that's what you want to see. ran four five one solid, you know six, one, 205 pounds, contested catchability, and he's good after the catch. He's really this contact balance and his strength through contact. I think the type of receiver that the bills need. he can certainly play on the outside as well. I think going into the combine felt like a second round pick if the bills were going to go that avenue. At receiver now, I think he could be in conversation if the board falls a certain way. Be the pick at twenty-seven.
1: Chris Passo, CBS Sports. Thanks, Chris. I know you got a run busy day post combine, so thanks for the time. <laughs> yes,
2: yeah, thank you, guys.
1: Chris Passo, on the receivers on Jackson Smith and Jigba and Quentin Johnson and Addison. It is kind of funny, Joe. Like I saw a lot of the, and, and you might be listening and think, "What do you mean he he came in shorter than they thought?" Right? <laughs> yeah height seems like something you can't really be you would think finding out about when they're 21 years old right you would think that we know how tall a guy is but you don't until they go to the combine then you find out exactly how tall they are because they don't have the tage thompson growth chart in their kitchen <laughs> the entire guess, time i guess not i guess not
4: i, I kind of want to be the guy that's betting against the combine and maybe being doing that with gabe davis maybe he is that guy Jordan Addison runs a four five five. Was his first forty run on Saturday afternoon, and I saw that tweet and immediately went, "This guy I want." He was going to go higher. He was going to go early first round, maybe yeah. the first receiver off the board, and now he's going to fall because of a bad forty
1: time. That's the guy I want. I want to be betting against the combine. There's also, you know, the side of it where people will say, if you come into the combine overweight, oh, this is the biggest day of your life, and you're not prepared. Uh Like, it's a character thing. Not to say that specifically about Addison, but... because Addison is less than 175 pounds. Yeah. Like, that is actually what
4: made it. I think Ben Solak said it was the second slowest... I actually just had that up. Second slowest 40 time by a receiver under 175 pounds since 2001. He ran a 4.55 and then a 4.49. But, like, I'm only watching highlight reels, not even, like, the real film. The guy looks shifty and fast. With his with his college tape, and if he falls fifteen picks because he ran a, a bad forty, Smith and Jigba, I'm kind of giving up on right now. Getting to twenty seven, do, it doesn't make sense why he would fall to twenty seven. No, I know he didn't play last year, but if he was that great two years ago at Ohio State, and he's got Garrett Wilson saying he was the best of the three of us, and all the tools are there, I just I don't see how he's he's going to
1: fall anywhere near the Bills. I'm ready to make a Bills prediction on receiver. Okay, pretty, pretty strong, pretty, pretty a strong. strong feel. prediction. Strong prediction. Maybe it's not that that uh, whatever hot take or bold. It's tough to have a strong prediction with a month and a half to go before the here it is the draft. I mean, again, you can tell me. I'm predicting it strongly, not necessarily saying it's a strong prediction. How's that? Wait. <laughs>
4: Pre- okay. What I'm trying Predict- to say
1: is. You might, I'll, I might say it, and you might agree with it. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm just saying I have a high level of confidence on it. That's what I'm going with. Oh, okay. Uh, I think I get Let's the just distinction. R- scrub the last two minutes. I'd like to make a prediction for the Bills. There we go. <laughs> They're going to take Cole Beasley to camp, right? Cole Beasley's on this team going to training camp. They brought him back. Hmm. He has fewer options than ever before. The reason he left is because he thought he had better options. Yep. Right? He didn't. Yep. He's going to come. To, he's going to go to camp with the team. I don't know if he'll make the roster, but he is a very good. Give him a full off season to prepare. I know he's older. Maybe he's lost a step. They trust him. His options are fewer. He came back. They went to him in the playoffs. I yep. don't see another team giving him that big of a look. He might be at the point where he thinks maybe I got one more kick at the can with this team. With Josh, Josh is his. Isn't Josh his biggest ambassador or best? Sure. Josh Allen is Cole Beasley's ticket. He couldn't stick with Brady. Right. He's got Josh. So I don't know if he'll make the team, but I'll bet you right now that Cole Beasley goes to camp with this group.
4: I guess if I'm looking at it right now, how many guys are we sure are going to camp with them? Diggs, Davis, Shakir? Is that it? Those are the only three guys you're 100% confident are going to be with the Bills at camp? That's three names. Diggs, Davis, Shakir. Yeah, that's it, right? McKenzie could be, it probably will be cut Candidate. We don't know what they're going to do rookie-wise. They've got practice squad guys, I'm sure, right? Isaiah Coulter. Guys <laughs> like that. But Beasley. I mean, I I
1: want to think you're right and also think they can't end up there again. Well, that doesn't mean they end up there. He just goes to camp. That's all I'm saying. A lot of guys go to camp. yeah. But if he goes to camp, I guess he doesn't have to make the team. But, I don't know. I feel like if he goes to camp, he's going to be on the team. If he wins the job. But put it this way. Do would you, would you think they're more likely to bring back Jameis mm, no, and Crowder? No, If you are I don't think. And if you're trying to grow Shakir into something great, you want Beasley there? Isn't Crowder a better idea, though, than Beasley? I mean, I
4: know he was hurt all last year, yeah. but I might, maybe, maybe Bean looks at that and says, "I thought we had a, a guy there that would help and us." And
1: Instead, a and, guy that was hurt all the
4: time got hurt. Yeah, and didn't do much. But would you would you rather bet on the guy that hey, maybe he could stay healthy for us versus the guy that you know is basically shot? Right? We were already there with Beasley. We are two years ago. We thought he was done. I don't know. I mean, it was. It was an emergency. They didn't have guys on the team. I know. And who did they
1: call in an emergency? Beasley. But, right. so, but they should not be in an emergency. Exactly. again. Exactly. All the more reason he will definitely be there because they're going to have. I'm, I'm, they're going to draft a guy. Is s- that backwards though? No, no. Because in, when you go to training camp, you're going to bring like twelve receivers.
4: But they're going to bring like these th- Isaiah Coulter types, aren't no,
1: they? No, no.
4: I'm looking at their spot. Desmond Patton. They're going to bring Beasley. Desmond Patton is more likely to be at camp for the Bills than Cole Beasley is. That, so Who? You don't even know who Desmond Beasley's Patton is. He's under contract. I don't know what kind of contract, but right. he's on their page. Reserve futures? Yes, sure. Those guys go to camp over Cole Beasley, don't they? Beasley goes to camp, to me, if they don't draft a guy.
1: Oh, I think he's there no matter what. I shouldn't say no matter what, but I is think John he's John Brown there. at camp? No. They don't need, they need the Beasley guy. They need the speed guy, too, though, don't they? Yeah. Not as much. Isn't that what uh what'd you say his name was? Desmond Patton? Desmond
4: I've no I've yeah? never seen Desmond what, Patton what, in my life. What does he do? I
1: don't Is he a speed <laughs> guy?
4: Don't know. I'll look up his forty time. Not is, even is, really. Is
1: Marquez Stevenson coming back? Is he still on the team? No, I don't think so.
4: Did he get cut? I just don't want to be at a
1: place where I'm back at the emergency guys. I don't disagree. Every I mean, I'm pulled their camp roster last year. There's it's not I'm not t- I didn't predict it for you to get mad at it. No, I know. I'm not. I'm not. I just for some reason
4: I feel like if he's at camp, they plan on they have a real. I don't want them to be at a place where they have any expectation that Cole Beasley's on this team next year. I they, they I, cannot end up at receiver again where there's any thought that that guy back here at that okay. age could be on this roster.
1: They, Tavon Austin went to camp with them this year. yes this is my point we had a week week where we thought he was like the number four receiver I'm not predicting he's gonna O.J. Howard was at camp this year I'm not predicting he's gonna make the team Mm -hmm. I'm predicting to take him to camp all right
4: all right camp camp's not the end of the world I just I don't know there's got to be different ideas out there even even for camp Paris Campbell is that bigger though than just camp
1: like one-year deal guy it's a good question. I'm just scrolling through the entire camp roster to see who
4: else. Here's another one. Would you rather have Cole Beasley at camp or a seventh-round rookie? I'll
1: have both. It's camp. But I you can't mil- have
4: 50 receivers. I, sure you, you can. can. You can have like, 12, I get, right? a, I get a million. I'm just thinking there's always a better idea out there right, right right now. he. I, I think I know what I've got in Cole Beasley. I'd rather go for even if it's a .01% chance of an unknown. I'd go for that unknown. You, I think that's me. That's me saying what I would want to see. I'm not saying that's what the Bills are going to want. And if Allen's got pull, which of course he does, and he wants Beasley back, then that's that's really all you need, isn't it? If it gets Allen's seal of approval, that's all you need.
1: That's what I'm going for. All right. And he right. doesn't have options. I mean, he might not make the first round of cuts, but it just wouldn't shock me if he's back for camp. For camp, if he's on the roster. Well, that means he beat out whoever they had, and that might be where your concern comes in. Sure. How could he beat out – if he beats out guys for a job, that means they didn't get good enough guys. Right. Eight zero three zero five fifty 550 to your phone calls right on the other side. If you're on hold, stick with us. We'll go right to your calls. Jeremy White, Sneaky Joe on WGR.
3: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. The Ravens general manager Eric DaCosta recently flew to Lamar Jackson's hometown of Miami in hopes of working toward a long-term deal. However, after more than a year of negotiations, I am told the sides remain apart. This appears headed toward Jackson being franchise-tagged before Tuesday's deadline.
1: Tom Pelissero on what the Ravens' decision before them is. Non-exclusive franchise tag or the exclusive franchise tag. There's a difference in money there. Also, there's a difference whether or not teams can approach Lamar and try and sign him. If he gets the uh, the one where the teams can approach him and sign him and pay two first-round picks, the Jets, the Dolphins. Dolphins? There was an interesting thing
4: about the Dolphins this weekend.
1: Yeah, that they are going to pursue quarterback.
4: Yeah, that all options are on the table, that they yeah. Does that just mean Jackson though? Could mean Jackson. Could Would that be- mean the only guy they move off two oh four is Lamar Jackson?
1: Could. All options on the table means, you know, pretty much exactly that. It's Jeremy White, Sneaky Joe with you, 803-0550 to join us. We we talked a little bit this morning about the highlight you have watched the most in your life. Gone mm-hmm. back and watched a sports highlight whether you're at the game, it's your favorite team, you know, the Drury goal for the Savers in oh six oh seven, or the Taron Johnson pick six against the Ravens. What's the highlight you think you have watched the most because you just keep needing to absorb it? Kind of comes up because on Saturday, whatever, it's a Premier League game. Not all of your fans are fans the Premier League. I am. I like Arsenal. And they scored a season-defining late 97th minute crazy I've yeah. watched it a thousand times
4: essentially a buzzer beater
1: yes yeah which you know they don't even have a buzzer that's it's right hard, it's, hard to, <laughs> it's hard to beat a buzzer without a buzzer right there's a whistle I guess so if you want to chime in with that I've got a lot of answers a lot on the you said the Umberger hit for you that's that's a popular answer yep John wrote in anytime Josh Allen hurdles, yeah hurdles a defender. Uh-huh. Uh, the Pominville overtime goals coming up a lot. The Michael Vick run against Minnesota comes in from Tim. That's good. That's a good one. The I two also,
4: Vikings colliding like right
1: yep, as he goes past them in the secondary. And then another one that was close to home for me. Uh, someone wrote in about the Hakeem Warwick block against Kansas in the final okay. seconds to win the national championship for Syracuse. But one point we've made is. When, when this moment happens at home, it's just different. You're, I mean, I'm in it for the crowd. The, yep. the Drury goal, I'm in it to watch the grainy cell phone video from the 100 level because it you know, puts you right in the thick of it. huh. So if you have a thought on that, you can uh, give us a call, 8030550. We'll go to some phone calls. Rob in Hamburg. Rob, what's up?
3: Hey, guys. You were just talking about um, going to the combine to see how tall the guy actually is, <laughs> and you we were joking about it. Um, this actually happened to me. I was at the bar bill and I ran into Ed Oliver. I'm six foot tall, and I was towering over this guy. So right away, I went and looked at his college stats. They have him listed as six three. You look at his build stats, they have him listed as one. i I'm telling you, he's at best 5'11". Hmm. So they do that before the combine to try and bump up their stuff to try and make them look bigger and better than they actually are. And I don't believe any of these stats for what they come out after I stood next to the guy and I like all of these college players they just do whatever they, they need to do to try and make that money to get a job.
1: Yeah, Rob hmm. there was even I saw a side-by-side of two players leaving the combine like arms around each other like great week in Indy and it was pointed out that the guy on the right who was clearly taller had measured shorter than the guy on the left. Uh-huh. And it was just kind of like this situation well, it's inexact. Did somebody stand up straighter? Did somebody do uh, – who was it? Kenny Pickett. Uh-huh. Kenny Pickett was stretching his hands to try to get a bigger hand size at the combine. Yeah. Oh, he's double yeah. jointed. That's the thing. That's that's what it is. You've got Bryce Young trying to what gain weight, show he's heavy. Uh uh-huh. What do you just like eat? A giant plate of chicken parm right before you go in. <laughs> yeah. I I got to eat four pounds of food. Yep. It's it's wild. It's the combine. Alvar really is listed at six three
4: in college, and there's no way. There's no way in the world. But like, why even list that? Like, it's, at some point, it's got to be so exaggerated that everybody doesn't even pay attention to it because they know it's not real. Six three. Just watch him out there. He's not
1: six three. It's very easy to see. I'm pulling up his combine profile. What do you come at the combine? He went. Wa- <laughs> the combine said he was six two. What? And yep. the Bills have him at 6-1? The ever-shrinking Ed Oliver. He's just getting smaller over time? How's he'll that go, He'll go into the Hall of Fame at 5-7. Yeah. By the time <laughs> no, he's not going to the Hall of Fame. But you know. Uh, Ron and Alden. Ron, good morning.
3: Good morning, gentlemen. I hope you had a great weekend. You know, the one moment I've watched, I have to be the most I've ever watched, has to be the Miracle on Ice call, it is the greatest call of all time. One, because I well, I lived it because, you know, I, I that's really what got me into hockey uh, was that February day. But to, that call by Al Michaels, like, you know, do you believe in miracles? Yes. that's And just to watch it over and over, and it is. It's old footage, it's fun, but it's watch the players come off the ice. And every time I watch it, I just get big chills. And then I get a conversation with people saying, you know, we even if, if we lost the next game to Finland, we don't even get a medal at all. But that, to me, was the biggest moment in life. And just even though it wasn't on a goal or a score, it was just the last 10, 13 seconds of a game and that call. Al Michaels had some great calls, but that—that that is the greatest call in all of the sports by anybody, in my opinion. And if you watch it, like I have, I just get chilled now talking about it. So I just throwing that out there. I know it's not a favor of Bill's thing, but that's actually my favorite call of all time. Hey, good luck, guys. Just away, have a great day.
1: Thanks, Ron. When
4: Al Michaels says 11 seconds, that's when it gets me. Because the whole crowd actually like reacts the same way. Like maybe there's like a dump behind the net when it hits eleven seconds, but when his voice goes up at eleven seconds, like the whole crowd realizes, oh my bleep, this is about to actually happen. That's a good one. I have one for almost every sport except the Bills. Like You're, A the, Bills highlight you've just yeah, gone back to watch a hundred times? Yeah, like I have the Campbell hit in hockey, like UFC, the McGregor Aldo fifteen second fight. Um, LeBron's block in Game Seven against the Warriors. I'll go back and w- I've watched that a million times. But I don't really have personally a great Bills one. I don't think that
1: I've just gone back a well, million times and watched. What's the What's the highlight at home? The Patriot game, the playoff game. There were seven touchdowns. That whole
4: highlight package <laughs> as a whole, I've seen a million yeah. times. Yep. so maybe that's it. It's just the whole Patriots game.
1: It's yeah, true. like what's the best home highlight? They've had. It's that. We mentioned Hines. Naheem Hines' kick returns really good. But doesn't there have to be,
4: I don't know, doesn't there have to be, it's because all their big moment, like the Chiefs is on the road. Yeah. When they throw it, like would Dawson Knox's touchdown have been that or would not would
1: we not even put that because we were just waiting for the playoffs? What's the last Bills touchdown to be a buzzer beater? It's against the Rams. Um, is it the Rams? The Rams. Is there to
4: be like five seconds left. Tyler Croft. Yeah. Maybe is it part that when I, I want this is a theory. The Sabers when they got good right away in oh five oh six was when it was most magical, right? Yeah. When they first got good. Right now it feels the best because they're just getting good. When the Bills just got good, it was COVID. There's nobody in the crowd. Right. So Tyler Croft yeah, at the, the buzzer against the Rams. I don't watch that highlight back because it's weird. There's yeah. nobody in the crowd.
1: The Taron Johnson pick six with a full stadium. I mean, it already is a great highlight to watch back. And, and the 10,000 yeah. that are there are very loud, but it would be a different scene of the full stadium. And
4: by the time they get to fans back in the building, their expectations are so high that, like, yeah, great. The you know the the touchdown to Dawson Knox and Arrowhead to beat them and the Taron Johnson interception thereafter. I can't watch that highlight without thinking, yeah,
1: well, they didn't win. They didn't win. That's a part of it. That's the thing you don't know. This conversation comes up because of the Arsenal goal over the weekend. That is, I mean, if they win the title, they will write songs about that goal scored on Saturday. Yeah, They'll be singing right. about yes. it next week because that's what they do. They write songs and they sing. It, um, Adam writes in, Phil Mickelson, 2004 Masters. He made a putt. He made the putt on the 18th and, and had a leap to win it. That's good. For there's, me, it's Tiger's chip. The Tiger, Tiger's chip on 16 at Augusta that yes. rolls and rolls yes. and Because ro- that one, too, that's one of those where
4: you mentioned the Ringer did an article about the Arsenal reactions. I'll watch that Tiger chip, and there's like a different camera feed. There's a b- couple different ones. I'll watch that clip over and over and just watch every single person's different reaction. Dalton to Boyd tweeted in a few times. That's the one. For me, I guess that is the one. And I, I said that, but it's not, I mean, I guess it's not a Bills clip. It is and it isn't.
2: Can we see the best one with Kawhi Leonard hitting the buzzer that's in game good, seven? That's, that's a,
4: good.
1: Is that game six? That this was game, game, seven. Seven. This game seven. That's game to seven. to beat the Sixers and go to the conference finals. That's right. When it bounces on the rim like six times. Four. Yes. Yeah. Four man. times and,
0: and then they ended up winning a championship. Yep. I think
2: that's what that that's remembered the most because it ended up leading them to a
1: championship. Yep. That's the thing. I'll say this about seasons like this because you bring up a, a good point, Joe, and you, I mean you too about like in a championship season. I do think it's important to take note in great moments like that that you don't know if you're going to win the championship, but the moment is still amazing. I can mm-hmm. so Arsenal Saturday. I can think of one Syracuse basketball stinks now. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm going to just put that over there. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. You yeah, go anyway. Ten years ago, they started maybe 26-0 or something. They were they were on fire. And Tyler Ennis, not the Sabres Tyler Ennis, but the other Tyler Ennis who played basketball for Syracuse, he hit a half-court shot to beat Pitt at the buzzer. And it was amazing. And I remember in that moment thinking, I don't know if they're going to win the title. And frankly, I don't care. Because I'm so thankful for this season. And... Once you and this gets to your point about the Bills, Joe. Yeah, it's not like you enter a season as a Syracuse basketball fan thinking if they don't win the title, this is a failure. Like, right. It's not it. The Bills are getting close to that. You better get your act together. We're here to win a Super Bowl. You know, there's no more time yep. for, yep. you know, the expectations raise. And Arsenal is having that season, aren't they? They weren't supposed to. Win. Oh yeah, they weren't supposed to win the title. No, they were like when they their odds were. Like 50-50 to finish top 4. Yeah, yeah. It was if they finish 4th, that'll be a good year. Were they like 50 to 1 to win the title? I don't know about 50, but it 25 it, something like that. Maybe. I mean, they're still maybe not going to win the title, but they're having a magical season and this kind of gets to your 0506 Sabers. This gets to when the Bills start to really pop. Someone tweeted in about um Josh Allen his quarterback sneak against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Yeah. You're yeah. Ju- we're just starting the 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 part where it feels magic and when you have a moment like that in a season that feels magic whether that's the umberger hit that's that right yeah. hey we're not supposed to be here we're not supposed to win the stanley cup but everything's going so right it like that that's what saturday was for arsenal was oh my god they might win it and if they do this magic moment is a part of it the teron johnson pick 6 i mean they're in the playoffs as the 2 seed mm. and they're struggling and they get that play and it's on the afc championship game pretty much you know like it's, that it's, really
4: is it for the Bills, though. You haven't had it all line up perfect. You haven't had big moment, end of the game, all the fans are in attendance. Like you, you haven't it, at home. It hasn't lined up perfectly. Even no. like I'm thinking about like Allen Diggs at the end of the Cardinals game, and yep. of course they lose that game anyway. Oh, but Murray. even that, that's on that's on the road. Even and if they won that game, it wouldn't be qualifying because you. You need it to be at home. You need the play to be great. The moment, like, I, it just it hasn't, the stars haven't aligned, I guess, on it yet.
1: 803-0550. We'll get more calls on this, and uh, keep talking a little football. Got some good tweets on this. Got some calls to catch up on as well. Allen Robinson, his agent's permission to seek a trade. L.A. willing to pay a portion of his guaranteed salary to facilitate a deal. That's from Tom Pelissero. Jeremy White, Sneaky Joe, here on WGR. So over the weekend, another of the members of Leonard Skinner died. Gary, Gary Rossington, who Rossington. survived the plane crash that killed a couple of the original members, he passed away at the age of seventy-one.
4: Big Big Leonard Skinner guy.
1: I've got two memories of Leonard Skinner, and neither—I mean—they're a little before I'm. You know my time when they hit it big. Of course, yeah. I'm not that old, Joe. Uh, <laughs> they're, one,
4: they're early '80s, aren't they? Well, you're not really early '70s.
1: Yeah, yeah. '70s. That's um, right. The band formed in 1964. Uh-huh. There you go. Long before me. Uh, anyway, eight hundred three hundred five fifty. Taking your phone calls on. Maybe the sports highlight you've watched the most. Add three more to my tally of that arsenal. Go. I was showing Joel. A couple of different angles of it during the break, and we came upon a couple of more. What else did we think of in the break? There, like Bills highlights and Sabers highlights, and um, I mean the drought ending was the best Bills one, really, that I've got. Probably. All right, we'll get a call. Basketball,
4: then. I've got a lot of them. I mean, it's because the buzzer beaters, right? Mm-hmm. Buzzer beaters are like to win a series. Damian Lillard beating the Thunder, like a game seven half almost half court shot. Like NBA is ripe for these. That's that's is it like the the Ooh. immediacy. That's really I think what helps too and makes it worse for football. A goal that just ends it. Yeah. Like that's that's rare in football where
1: just one play game's over. Yeah, it takes a lot of circumstances to kind of set up for that. Yeah. Yeah. I just had one I was thinking of right there. What was it? Um was it basketball? Oh, LeBron's chase down block. Yeah, that's 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 against, yes. against Iguodala would be yes. one. I'm sure Cleveland fans just wake up on a Tuesday and like, Oh, you know what, I'm gonna watch that right now. Yep. Mike in Buffalo, go ahead, Mike.
3: Yeah, one of my favorites of all time um, is uh, the Micah Hyde interception
2: against the Patriots in the playoffs two years ago. Um, it was one of the most athletic plays
1: I've ever seen in my life. You know, he he kind of dove over the top of them and caught the ball in the end zone, and it completely deflated the Patriots from then on. And we just went on to roll them. Uh, so that's why it was my favorite. It's against the Patriots. You know, it was an incredible play, and uh, from there on, the Bills just were on fire the rest of the game. It is a great play. It's that, an insane that's that's an example of one where I had to go back and watch it because I was in the opposite end zone at that game mm-hmm. and I knew he made a pick, and it isn't until you get home and see what happened on that play where it's even more impressive. Micah Hyde, who's his new uh, safety partner? How mm-hmm. long until Poyer signs somewhere? Is Poyer gonna be Day one? Done and dusted in day one? He signs with the Dolphins day one, doesn't he? We are about a week away from player movement, and that means, you know, next week we're getting names. Who goes where? If that's Poyer. I'll say I'll say this, like if Poyer and Edmonds are are both gone in a week. Yep. Does our conversation change about the Bills? I mean, I guess we expect um, Poyer to be gone. Edmonds is a tough one. We'll
4: talk about the defense more, won't we? Yeah. No Leslie Frazier. No Tremaine Edmonds. No
1: Jordan Poyer. That's big. debate.
4: Debate all three. How important you think they are together. That's a
1: lot of change. It's massive. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And on, the, on a group where the defensive line feels like it lets you down late in the season, where that was what people talked about more than anything when the season ended was the defensive line. Get a break in eight zero three zero five fifty to join us here on WGR.